welcome to the Untribal Podcast, the show that gives you news content by regular people for regular people. Today I'm joined by Sally Donald, who is the Women's Officer for Edinburgh Central SNP, and she's also the co-founder of the Make Public Sexual Harassment Illegal campaign. You might have seen a bit about this on STV or on the Untribal Twitter and Instagram. So welcome to the show, Sally Donald. How are you doing today, Sally? You alright? I'm good, thank you. Good. So Sally, what's your story? How did you find yourself in politics? Um, interesting one actually it was totally um, not planned not an area I'd ever thought of or had wanted to get into I graduated um, uni with a psychology degree um, back in 2016 and then was just working sort of odd jobs um, when the local MP posted about an internship so I applied and was lucky enough to get the position that was meant to be an eight-week position and then five years later I was still there part of the team um, and from there I think just having gone into such a supportive team I really slowly learned that politics was a space that I could be and could have opinions um, so it's not been an easy journey by any means being a young woman in politics is um, definitely challenging but I'm so glad I did and I feel really lucky to have had a team who sort of nurtured me and encouraged me um, to share my opinions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of your work is centred around gender equality and I just wanted to ask you you know and I feel like this is a recurring topic unfortunately for people in politics because we still have a long way to go in terms of gender equality. I think we are a lot better than we used to be where there's certainly a lot uh, you know noise about that strive for equality for women um, and there's there's definitely changing attitudes somewhere, albeit there is a long way to go, would you feel? Yeah, we definitely have a long way to go, but I think it's really encouraging to see the younger generations that are coming forward. They're so much more open. Um, even like my brother is 10 years younger than me and his generation are just so much more welcoming and um, nurturing of other people and understanding that we all have different needs. Whereas I think there is that sort of hangover of um, these like outdated beliefs in older generations which are like slowly sort of moving away from but I guess I guess you do have to have empathy with these people these are lifelong beliefs and views they've held so it, it's not an overnight change but um yeah it's it's coming maybe slowly <laughs> <More> <laughs> I slow hope so like. <laughs> I mean I mean certainly speaking for experience you know even the mates that I you know muck around with mm-hmm. you know, there, there's there's definitely a lot more respect levels there you know we a lot of our best pals or girls and like we don't we don't we don't have that level of the suspect we don't have that sort of misogynist jokes flying about it's not yeah. as, it's not as commonplace i feel like in young men just now but it is it is still there definitely yeah it's like let it's not it's not cool to like make fun of the girl friends in your group anymore like, exactly and i think one campaign that stands out to me is the don't be that guy campaign i think that did like such good things in society for sort of calling out guys in a gentle way to say look that behavior that you might think is funny is actually harmful and that's kind of where it starts yeah and there's a snowball effect and uh, yeah yeah, i I think it's a brilliant campaign as well i think people are taking a bit of notice of it you know we've got an age of looking after people's mental health and i think people are taking those things a lot more seriously yeah and it's not even necessarily just towards women there's obviously a high rate of, of male suicides for example so people are taking mental health protection a lot more seriously so a campaign that don't be like that guy guys are starting to think all right okay no that actually could make a huge difference so yeah. no, I definitely agree and with especially that. for the mental health of men I, it doesn't feel good to be harassing women or that sort of thing so mm-hmm. i think that's yeah yeah definitely well 
obviously in terms of women's rights there's a hugely controversial bill that's come through the scottish parliament recently and i i don't know it's it's a it's a tricky one because we now have people thinking that you know there's a there's a conflict of interest here and women's rights are going to be effective and a lot of people cite what's happening in women's prisons i think this week uh transgender women actually raped two women and people are starting to say well you know if this was pre previously a man should we be thinking of this person as a woman and it's a difficult issue i was wondering what your sort of initial thoughts on the grr bill is yeah i think picking out that word controversial that you used i think it's a shame that we've got to this stage where the it's not even like the grr bill is so simple in what it's doing it's and for it to have become this issue that's like grown arms and legs i think it's a real shame that this hatred that people have for this group like it's just so needless it's really sad and i i always start with the position of trying to show kindness to everyone so starting from a position of okay if these people are genuinely fighting for women's rights and they actually are scared that they might be in danger like that's okay maybe that is a legitimate concern and we need to hear that but i think now we've gotten past that point where it's it's like really becoming clear that this isn't about women's rights this mm -hmm. is about hating a minority group for i'm not really sure the reason i think it reflects more a lot more on the people projecting that hate i don't think it's really got anything to do with trans people so whilst i would always try and have kindness and compassion to anyone i i'm not sure the group of people targeting trans people are deserving of that kindness anymore because mm. they've just shown the hatred that they have in their hearts and it's it's really sad and i'm not not the right person to speak for the trans community but i just think they deserve so much better than the society that we're giving them right now they it, like with anyone they just deserve the right yeah. to have equality to go about their lives and exactly. i just think the way that they're being treated right now is cruel and i think we'll look back on it and hang our heads in shame at the way that we've allowed them to be treated i mean i, th I think so for me personally i think you know because a lot of people i speak to think you know this wasn't a problem like 10 years ago why is it such a big deal just now I would say to people that queer people are finding a voice and th and this is why it's becoming relevant because we're waking up to the reality that some people, you know, have rights just because of who they are, essentially, and that's why it's such a hotly contested debate. The The, the issue about single-sex uh, spaces for women, I mean, I don't know why we didn't put in protections for the prisons on a case-by-case -case basis where if you've, you know, if you if you've sexually harass someone you can't change then change your gender to go into a woman's prison the counter argument of that was well prisons do take these things case by case and there's there's no point in putting legislation forward i think what's happened this week provides an argument against that i think it is becoming a little bit more difficult and i i, I just feel like we're having the wrong conversations though like why are we having this conversation where you know we need to protect you know women from these men that might abuse a system to you know harm women why aren't we focusing on the men do you know what i mean yeah um as a woman who has been harassed and abused in all various circumstances in my home in my place of work in public men don't need to dress up as women to do that to you mm -hmm. this is some sort of weird take on this trans argument that they're these sort of horrible like criminal people who are doing these things and then you get w stories of like the minority and that's 
we then generalize it as if all trans people are like that it's just not the case mm. in every group in society there are people who are good and there are people who will abuse the system but that's like you don't you don't to then generalize create, and yeah, then say that you shouldn't all create <laughs> your systems based on the like one bad person so mm -hmm. absolutely yeah i totally agree that we need to start with men and changing their behaviors and attitudes because that's that's what it boils down to yeah i mean i, I personally think we're having the wrong conversation mm. i think it's interesting because obviously my views that i was trying to voice on talk tv was met with loads of middle-aged men abusing me for my views and it wasn't even the sort of marginalized groups of society mm -hmm. it wasn't even the discriminated against groups in society that were targeting myself it was literally middle-aged men who have archaic views about what society should be like and because we're having a shift in attitudes and change of conversation they almost feel threatened by that certainly that's what i think anyway mm -hmm. and then um, we we posted an article and the reason we like sort of held this position was because about seven months ago we argued this idea of self-ID, certainly in principle, and we're not saying that the current legislation has specific problems that we should look at and we should maybe compromise on certain things, but in principle, we're moving towards a more inclusive, diverse society, which, in our opinion, could benefit women as well, because I think that the closer we move towards a, you know, a, a welcoming of a general neutral society, we could potentially create a situation where we don't see <laughs> gender and we don't have that idea of man and woman in this society that's fed into inequality and discrimination and, and everything that goes with those hang-ons of these terms and that's why we sort of held that position to say well you know we should have equality for everyone and maybe that more inclusive society could benefit everyone do you think that we are too entrenched in what we see as men and women to you know make strides towards that inclusive society or do you think i, I don't know i don't know what your thoughts on that are I think, yeah, I, I think it's the only, men and women is the only category where you're expected to identify as one or the other mm -hmm. and never change. Like, take your political beliefs, for example. You, you can fit into any number of categories. You can have different views on different things. So starting from the point where it's one or the other just makes no sense. I think we should start from the point where it's like, you can fit on any sort of level along the spectrum. And I think taking back to your point about like the abuse you receive from um, older men, I think it can be difficult for them to get on board with this because they're the sort of group, straight white men are the group who benefit from the society we have right now. And the more inclusive and the more diverse we become, I think they see it as a threat to their rights. This is not about taking away anyone's rights. This mm -hmm. is about leveling the playing field. Where Agreed right now it's not level at all so what um what protections do you think would be beneficial for women just now what, what, what how would you see the protections that we should be put in place to protect women on all sort of accounts not just in terms of people abusing the gender bill um well to plug my own campaign i think definitely um protecting people when they're harassed right now you can be sexually harassed on the street and there's nothing to be done about it you'd That's be mental. sexually harassed in the workplace and you would have protections in place but out in public like there's nothing so i think that's a good place to start and like we were talking earlier it's like it escalates from there so it's like cutting it before it gets to that stage where it's worse and worse mm -hmm. um that's certainly one place to start so in terms of politics right and maybe maybe tapping into your own experiences and how you've been treated in politics yourself because i remember i had a chat with uh, kezia dogdale who talked about her 
experiences in politics and she always talked about how women had to make an extra effort to stand out or, or be heard she talked about how how her um nicola sturgeon and ruth davidson always wore really bright colors when they were had like media appearances they always had like really high heels in order to make themselves feel taller and stand out more as i said and she also talked about i can't remember where it was actually but she was doing like a conference down south somewhere and uh, she was on like a panel uh, of people they doing talk in front of a huge audience as well and this man like turned to her and he was a green word but like grabbed her leg and said like yeah like like i agree with you there and mm. she was she was genuinely shook at, at the time she was like like what's just happened to yeah. me there she came off stage and went to her pr team which like happened to be all men and said you know did you did you actually just see that like how, how are we going to deal with what's just happened there and they went what sorry what happened we, we missed that mm. and she was like how on earth did you miss that that's yeah. like it's that's that's mental you, you talked about the sort of physical harassment that can, people can have yeah. in public you know can you tap into your own experiences both to going to speak to the challenges that women uh, have specifically yeah the challenges are just it, it's things like that like that example so i've got plenty of examples like a couple that stick out is um coming back from a meeting where i was with the mp taking notes etc as is my job and um was asked one of my colleagues was asked who was that was that his mistress and just a little comment like that is so much it just takes away from like gives you no respect like no i was there doing my job and you knew that i had engaged with these people and for them to make that suggestion it's disrespectful to me and my job and also the mp like just disgusting and then even things just like being harassed like you would think during lockdown you're at home you're safe you think that would be there'd be no space for it but no I managed to be harassed by a guy who was just emailing me non-stop asking what gym I go to what's what's my number blah 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 and it was only oh, at the point where I got um the MP that I worked for involved that it stopped but it shouldn't take that I should be able to say like this is making me uncomfortable can you stop doing that mm. So there's, there's examples like that where it's really evident and you can tell like that's wrong and that shouldn't have happened. But there's also little like microaggressions you put up with um, all the time where you know, you're know you spoken over, you're, you're judged or, and you know it's happening because you're a woman and it's not explicitly said in, in such a way, but you know that your male counterparts are not being treated in that way. So it's kind of having to always push yourself and like make your voice heard but in a way that you're not getting called hysterical or angry you kind of have to delicately put yourself out there so you're not offending anyone whilst also getting your voice heard so it's like such a fine balance mm -hmm. and i think any woman in politics will resonate with that that always like fighting to be heard whilst also not wanting to be accused of like yeah being that angry sort of absolutely yeah and it's interesting you talked about characterizations when you've had the the PM of New Zealand just uh, recently mm. resigned, and that that was a classic case of, you know, if if you're you know kind to people, you're too soft. If you're like stern with people, oh, she's a bit cold. Yeah. Which, you know, male politicians haven't had that media characterization, or there's a general trend would suggest that anyway. Yeah. I was wondering, do you think experiences like you've experienced are putting women off politics? Do you think we're losing talent to the, these kind of experiences? I would say so. I can think of women who have left politics, rightly so, I absolutely don't judge them for it, for their own sanity because 
there does get a point where you just think is this worth it like who am I like what am I fighting for and I hope it never gets to that stage for me it's certainly I've come close to it um, I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by people who are like so in- encouraging um, and have my back but it is so isolating at the same time so it's yeah I, I absolutely can see why younger women or mm-hmm. any woman wouldn't want to get involved because it, it just takes one scroll on Twitter to see why it's not <laughs> yeah. worth it. Yeah, I mean, we laugh. It's, it's not funny, no. obviously. Um, so is it these kind of ideas that drove you towards the, the Make PSH Illegal campaign? Or, or where did that come from? That, for me, um, started when... So I've talked about this experience of harassment before um, where I was at a bus station up in Inverness and this guy was just, like, whispering things in my ear and it made me so uncomfortable I literally I'd clammed up and this this was like a lifetime of harassment where it got to the point where I just thought that's enough so reported it I had a picture of the guy because it was only when I took a picture of him that he ran off um and nothing was done about it and I I looked into the legislation and that's when I sort of realized they can't do anything this isn't like a fault of the police it's a fault of the system um not that I'm at all in favor of giving more powers to police but that's a totally different matter <laughs> yeah. um so i then um took it to smp conference we voted on it there um it was passed um resoundingly and then from there i teamed up with um alice jackson she's absolutely brilliant um, it's been such a joy to work on this campaign with someone who's got so much passion and so much drive um, and she has her own experiences of harassment as well. Um, so we've come together and we're working really closely with Paul McLennan, MSP as well, um, to take the campaign forward and get into legislation. And mm-hmm. the Scottish government are really receptive. And I think it's a matter of um, when, not if. Not if, definitely. Yeah. I mean, some of the statistics are staggering. You know, I, I'm looking at one just now. 97% of women aged 18 to 24 <laughs> Have reported sexual harassment. I, I think people were surprised it wasn't legal already. Like when I, when we shared it on Twitter and on mm. Tribal, and the amount of people that replied saying, "How how is that not legal already? That's bizarre." Yeah. So what's the specifics? What what do you actually want to change? What or what do you want to introduce? Our campaign is calling specifically for public sexual harassment, Se- things like catcalling, sexual remarks, wolf whistling, that sort of thing to be made illegal. And what we want that to look like is an education-based approach. We're not looking to get um, like boys and men to have criminal records or to be put in jail. I just think that just causes more trauma. It's mm-hmm. about starting from the point that maybe they're just ignorant or they're trying to fit in with their group of friends. Like I can totally understand why you would do it. You think it's funny or you want to be one of the guys. Um, so we are hoping that criminalizing it will look like going you know when you, you get um go on those speeding courses when you've been caught speeding right okay in a similar way you go on a misogyny awareness course to sort of become more aware of what it's actually like for a woman to be catcalled you might think it's funny but actually in that moment that woman is probably fearing for her life and mm. hoping that you're not gonna kidnap her or any other things that we've seen happen to other women in the media so yeah that's how we're hoping it'll look like i know england and wales are going through similar legislative process at the moment i think they're calling or it's looking like it's going to be um 
more sort of criminal offence. But I just don't see that doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. I've I've got a background in psychology, and for me, it makes a lot more sense to start from the point of education and accepting that boys and men are good for the most part and they want to be good and they want to treat women as equals it's just mm -hmm. that somewhere along the way um they've been taught or picked up behaviors that mm -hmm. just are not quite acceptable yeah or get caught up in an environment where they think it's acceptable where actually yeah. it's not yeah. or even they don't think it's acceptable but they're just trying to fit in with their friends exactly so so you kind of look at it i mean you know we've had calls from the greens for example to change our policy on drugs and make it more like a social thing rather than a criminal thing is that a similar kind of approach that you'd be taking to that yeah i'd say so it's definitely yeah we're not it's like hard and fast criminal rules i just don't think works and it's sort of not the route that scotland takes i see scotland and our legislation as being a lot more sort of inclusive and like looking at the bigger picture and not just slapping somebody with a fine or sticking them in prison it just mm -hmm. it doesn't work to address the root of the issue which is changing behaviors mm -hmm. whereas i think education does do that it makes people think and yeah like maybe once you've you might have some people within that who do go on to commit worse crimes but we've got legislation for that i think mm -hmm. we start from the point that believing these people are are good and mm -hmm. they just need education yep. yeah that's interesting that you take that uh, similar step that that people are thinking that drugs drugs would help Scotland because I know that's kind of the crux of the issue because Scotland wants to introduce certain legislation like health is a devolved matter but drug policy is a mm. reserve matter so you've got a discrepancy in what we can actually do and that isn't actually something that just independence parties want to change I know the Liberal Democrats for example they want to introduce dr uh, drugs as a devolved matter so we can mm. make a lot uh, bigger change here and I mean, it's no secret that it's a bigger issue in Scotland, for example, so we need much more radical changes yeah. than down in England. So do, is there any um, is there any discrepancies in terms of what we can change in Scotland in terms of what the uh, in terms of your campaign? Um, is there anything that could affect, you know, the P make PSH a legal campaign by Westminster? As far as I'm aware, this is um, like covered by Scotland, okay. um, which is a good thing because like i mentioned the route that england and wales are taking on this is not something that us that me and alice as a campaign agree with so mm -hmm. in that way it's positive for us because we get to sort of say look we're campaigning for the same change but we don't want it to look the same um and i think that's one of the strengths of the scottish parliament is um like the diversity and the sort mm -hmm. of openness to doing things in a different way yeah and the you know the case of dale carrick you know in recent news do you think that just epitomizes how urgent a campaign this is yeah i think these media stories always sort of bring it back home and kind of make it more reality i mean there is an issue with like the met in that i think that's a standalone issue of itself that they just need some sort mm -hmm. of deep overhaul i know a lot of people are calling for um that as well but yeah it does sort of bring it to light um and it kind of just makes you think look we do we need to start small we need to start with things that people might think are insignificant because they're not you see people like men who are um have the like capacity to rape women all definitely have the capacity to harass them in the street they mm -hmm. would have no shame and wolf whistling but i it doesn't go the other way men who um like sexually harass women it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to go the other way mm -hmm. um, in those extremes. So, 
yeah it's it's about educating and stopping it before it gets nice. to that, isn't it? and i think is so the legislation alone is this the first step to something bigger and changing a culture of how men treat women more generally yeah legislation i think is just the starting point i guess if you look at like the um rules around drink driving i th always think that's a good example when it was legal to drink drive you could just jump in your car and your mates wouldn't say anything whereas now like nobody i that i know would ever let their friends get behind no. a wheel if they were drunk it's just societally unacceptable yep. regardless of the laws and that's where we're kind of hoping this goes when mm -hmm. it gets to the point that men and boys are calling out their friends and being like mate that's not cool don't don't talk to her like that and mm -hmm. the shift will start from there and that's when you'll see it on a bigger picture and that's hopefully the thing like not putting fines and sort of hard criminal action on it will kind of help that to grow as well mm -hmm. nice one well we've had a couple of guests on in recent recent weeks iona fife and kelly given who are politically active women online and you know as a result of that specifically has have received a lot of online views so i wonder how this campaign is going to stretch online and how we can protect women online in terms of what the campaign is yeah um i love that you mentioned kelly she's actually my best friend so oh really <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah she, we having somebody who's got similar experiences of online abuse definitely helps it kind of gives you that support network um i know there's the online safety bill going through and i think that'll do a lot i think these um like social media platforms need to do more the amount of times last year that i've reported like the most horrendous abuse i was receiving on twitter and they're like no this is fine like and we had during the council election we had a council candidate just receiving the most vile racist tweets mm. and there was like a group of us reporting it and all of it was like no it doesn't go against our guidelines well then change your guidelines mm. it's not good enough yeah, to yeah, just yeah. let people sit and abuse other people with no repercussions mm -hmm. um yeah so, so this isn't what the this campaign specifically is about this is more about physical you know yeah this is more altercations yeah. yeah like out and about on the streets um but i guess if in the detail it extends to online public spaces then mm -hmm. all the better because um it certainly is a big issue definitely on twitter especially nice well i mean hopefully you begin to create an environment and that you know translates into how yeah, we behave absolutely. online i don't know if that'll stop online trolls maybe that's a yeah. whole different conversation altogether i was wondering what does the future hold for sally donald uh, and we know you're a big independence campaigner is this at the heart of you know where you came into politics or is there other stuff that you feel is is big in your sort of political palette if you like yeah independence is the reason i got motivated to get into politics but my main passion has and will always be working to end violence against women in whatever scope that takes so that's that's the route um i envision my career going down um so yeah i've got a lot of plans for this year um but just sort of working away and i guess the campaign is my main focus um at this point yeah absolutely so what would you say who is you who would you say is your inspiration in in politics oh that's a good question i think our first minister definitely i think having a first minister that's a woman is definitely inspiring um but then i also think of kelly that you mentioned earlier she's so inspiring to me she's um dealing with the challenges that 
being an autistic woman with ADHD mm-hmm. is facing um, and she does it so gracefully and I think especially on the TV show that she was on that was brilliant really, yeah like <laughs> gave such a platform to the neurodiverse community which I think is amazing mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's who I would say fair enough your best pal I, yeah. don't, I, don't, I didn't know that too. I know I can't get better than that <laughs> fair enough well listen it's been brilliant having you Sally and thank you very much for coming down and speaking to us is there anything you want to say to our listeners, listeners before we wrap up um, I would just say thank you and please support the campaign if you can. Absolutely. Thanks, Sally. See ya. Thanks. Bye. Mm-hmm.